Yeah, I think like these bands, mostly you have to make a decision. I think that's the most important part. It's uh, almost impossible to defend the whole court. It's, or at least it's really, really difficult. At least when you, you get to a higher level, people are too good <laughs> getting the ball into the sand. So you have to make a decision like, okay, I'm gonna choose to take, I'm gonna take the hard driven spike uh, like cross court spike and i'm gonna be able to take like the diagonal shot as well and if you put it that way sure good job you can have that yeah. one so you always make a decision and of course you have to to read the situation as well uh, so i think it's not like making the decision like before the serve goes over it's more like when you see the set okay i'm gonna take this and this and if he puts it there, then he can have it. What's up, Alex here. It's time for the Learn Beach Hall Fast podcast again. And this time I have a very interesting guest on the show that with his partner has been drawing a lot of interest around the world in the last few years. I have Swedish jump setter and I would want to call him world tour ranking fast climber David Oman on the show and we're talking beach volleyball. I'm not going to say too much before we get the show rolling but I'm going to say one thing which is that on this show my goal is to have a bunch of different types of episodes and one of the types of episodes that I want to have is interviews with these absolute top players like the top 10, 20 players in the world and just to see what their perspectives on the game are. I don't necessarily think that actually doing the same things as the pros is always a good idea for like an intermediate or even semi-advanced player, but I think there's still value in having their perspectives and their stories in the back of your head and some of the stuff you'll be able to apply now and maybe some other stuff you might want to apply later. Anyway, so what I have figured out is that these top players and top teams are very busy people. So even though there has been interest from several to be on the show, they're just you know they're out there competing training traveling whatever so it's just hard to get a hold of them so i'm very very thankful for david for taking the time in his training camp to do this interview with me and i'm super happy to be able to present this episode for you guys with that being said let's get started all right david oman or oman whatever <laughs> how do people say, say your name actually uh like in English, everyone says it says Aman, but in Swedish it's Oman. But yeah. it doesn't really matter. I, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> and some some people say Achman, but that's wrong. Achman, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a new one. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess Christian Sorum uh, or Sorum has yeah. the same problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, welcome to the welcome to the Learn Beach Volleyball Fast uh, podcast. Um, we're okay. gonna see if we can we can um, figure out how to learn this sport faster today or not. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna waste time on an intro. I think most people know who you are, um, but I'm gonna do a quick one anyway. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna do a quick one and let's see if you agree with what I say. Um, I'm I'm calling you a, a Swedish jump setter, 
and a worker ranking fast climber. So, I mean, you're famous for, you and your partner are famous for playing a, a bit of a different, um, you know, playing style than most teams. And um, I think that a lot of people watched you guys with like curiosity. They were like, is this going to work? Is, are they actually going to become good? Are they going to be able to pull this off or not? And um, I mean, it seems now like it did work. <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, I think last summer was the first time you guys beat the number one team, the Norwegians, in an official tournament, right? Yeah, in the European Champs, in the in the semi-final, but that was the first time winning against them in in a, in a, in a real game. Uh, exactly. Uh, so, so, so you you checked off that that list, uh, that off the list, and you're ranked number eight in the world right now. So, I guess it's fair to say that you guys are in the top club right now uh, <laughs> at this point. And also to this intro, I'm gonna add my point of view, which was that we're from the same city in Sweden, and uh, I was uh, trying to, I've been trying to get better at this sport for a long time. And uh, we had these training groups in our in our home club, and I was uh, I was on level three out of what was it like five six levels. Uh, so it was there was the elite group, and then like two groups lower, and then then I was in the in that group. And I just remember one year this kid from below this this small kid came, and I think first year he were in in the lowest group and the next and the next year he jumped a couple steps up and we were in the same group for a while and <laughs> i just remember i was i was annoyed because you were so good at attacking uh, <laughs> so uh so i had to find something fault with you so i, I was uh, always complaining that you lifted your handsets which you don't do anymore uh <laughs> and then the next year we you were training with the pros in the in the club <laughs> and i was still stuck at my level so and and ever since that we've been just uh, watching you on television and on the online and um, just seeing you skyrocket like even beyond the the top level of our city um <laughs> that sound <laughs> does that sound like a fair intro does that <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> yeah it's uh, good memories from from Emil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you haven't been there for a while now, regularly. You no, still visit. last time last time was uh, around Christmas, uh, and then we've been so busy, so I haven't had any free time to go to go home. But I think I'll go home after we played in Mexico. So. In the end of March, uh, I'll go home probably. <laughs> yeah, but I think you were sort of living there still when you guys played the Youth Olympics. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was uh, still in in school in Umeå, so yeah. Yeah, but after that, you moved down to Stockholm, I guess. Yeah, like one and a half years later, I I moved to, to Stockholm. Yeah. Okay. All right, nice, nice. So, I listened to a couple. I listened to well, I listened to a couple episodes, podcast episodes with you. <laughs> the, the Swedish one, and and then I found one where you and Jonathan were were on it together, and yeah. um, I realized that I could uh, 
I could also waste this whole podcast episode on just talking about, hey, what did it feel like winning against this legendary team and this one and this one? <laughs> just <laughs> how does it feel to win everything? Uh, but I'm, uh, you know, I mean, the listeners know, maybe you know also, I, I like to try to figure out stuff on, on how to how to play this game. Uh, yeah. And there's... There's two ways I could go about this. One is, of course, to to try to ask you a bunch of stuff about your guys' uh, uh, jump setting and, and this style that you play. And, and you know, and I uh, <laughs> I watched this uh, television thing, uh, which um, uh, it sounded like a lot of people, a lot of teams have approached you guys <laughs> and you're keeping it sort of secret. <laughs> Uh, kind of a little bit maybe <laughs> a little bit uh, which means i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make coach rasmus and anders mad and, <laughs> and ask you too much about it either and um actually i don't know really i think there's certain aspects of it that might be interesting but i don't know if it's even so interesting for the average player like how you guys run the systems because uh, what do you think do you think people would be able to use the information anyway or <laughs> would it only be the process to be able to use it I, I don't know it it depends on like how deep you go into it uh i think it, i think it's it's layers to it of course so it kind of depends uh but like i think the main the main thing, like our place, like our our vision of how we want to play. I think many people can can use it, even if you're not not a pro. Okay. Like um, like a simplified version of it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't do super high sets, right? Like it's uh, you keep things quite low. Yeah, yeah, we like to. To play fast and uh, yeah, not play the traditional beach volleyball style with with the high sets up and down. We try to play a bit different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so one question actually, uh, <laughs> a guy I played with recently, he he asked me because it's funny because we we warmed up and I I usually do some jump sets when I warm up. And he was yeah. like, of course, this guy is from Sweden and he's doing jump sets in the warm-up. <laughs> uh, but he, so he ended up asking me, like, like, how does a team like you, like sometimes um, there's like a back set that comes super quick, you know, but it's supposed to like, it looks like someone's going to set in the front, but then it becomes a back set. Uh, and he asked me, if is there's some sort of communication to that or is it just like feeling right <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's communication of course uh, we we speak a lot on the court and tell each other what kind of sets we want but then uh, at the same time we, we play with each other a lot and we've learned in what situations we yeah it's it's it suits to to go behind or stay in front or what kind of sets fits the situation i think we have learned how how to play uh, together and uh, so jonathan pretty much always knows or he can see like uh 
he can see me when I go behind and like, okay, I know which kind of set he wants now. But of course, we we talk anyway, so there won't be any misunderstanding. But yeah, <laughs> it gets easier and easier the more you do it. Absolutely, yeah. So so the more you guys practice together, the easier it is to have the feel for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you you run the situations before. <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> Yeah, isn't it more fun to play also when when that starts to work, like when it just starts clicking? Yeah, yeah. Of course, it's uh, in the beginning when you try to learn new stuff. It's of course frustrating when it doesn't work. So uh, when you're starting to get a hang of it and can use it in games as well, it's uh, it's a really nice feeling that okay, we we actually learned how to do this and. Now we can score points by doing this, and that's a really good feeling to see that you are improving and learning this this skill that you didn't know, uh, like maybe a couple months ago. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because because there's for sure like a there's a period when the the playing style is just an idea, and you have no idea if it might work, and then you learn how to do it in practice and. But I, I, I guess the defining moment comes when you actually play a real game uh, against a high-level team and and you pull it off and yeah. it works. Yeah, exactly. And it's, of course, it's one thing to do, do like a jump set or something in training, and it's a totally different thing to do it in a real game. So you have to like really practice it. And then if you're, you're going to use it in a game, then you have to try it in a game as well. Uh, like there are many people that like they handset in 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 practice, but as soon as it's a game, they stop handsetting because oh, I'm, the the ref might call my set. But you gotta keep trying, and they let him call you a couple times, but you still have to start doing it in games if you want to improve. Yeah, absolutely. So so just yeah, ex and for handsetting, some people say that you should go, you should have a period in your playing where you have you like. Imagine there's a text on your back that says, I'm a handsetter. So you just do it all the time anyway. <laughs> but I guess I guess you guys yeah. had a text on that said, I'm a jump setter. So you just went for it like <laughs> relentlessly for a while. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, in the other podcast that I heard, you, you said that Rasmus had been tough on you guys, that he had basically like asked you that or told you that the only important thing right now is that you keep jump setting even if even if you lose basically yeah yeah that's like always you know thing we had the vision like we we want to jump set but we think this is the way for us to to challenge the top teams to to improve and become a good team because we don't or maybe not the most physical team on on the tour so we have to do something different so yeah we decided that quite early on that Okay, this is our way, and we gotta believe in it. So uh, it's always been every game we we try to do the jump sets and everything, even when we were quite young and maybe not that experienced in in doing jump sets and stuff. But we tried it anyway, and yeah, you get better and better. And of course, some games you you lose by doing it. Maybe you could have scored more points playing traditionally, but we get better and better, and now it's really worked out. Of course. And now, if someone would want to copy you, they have to go through all of that work, <laughs> which you already did. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, 
it always pays off to do the work because <laughs> someone else yeah. do, wants to do, do the work also. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's cool. Uh, one question I, I had to you, which because uh, I guess this the system partly includes like sometimes you don't pass you know serve receive into the same position that you would maybe normally do uh, yeah. there, there's a bit of an aim somewhere else um do you think that doing that has made you better at serve receive in general so if we're better at so, serve receive because yeah can you repeat <laughs> repeat it <laughs> so, so by by doing a bunch of service receives that go to a different place than maybe traditionally you know, so so there's a ball coming at you and you serve receive it, but you, you do something different with it. Do you think that has made you better at serve receive in general? Or is it just the same? I think for us, we, we've always we always have like uh, like an area on the court that we want to to receive the ball to. Like this is the the best spot to, to put the ball to and uh, of course, it's really difficult to do it every time. So, a couple of times, if you don't hit the ball into the perfect spot, then you have to solve it in in other ways, like make the best out of the situation. But I think we've always had the goal to okay, we want to put the ball here. We're gonna do try to put our our uh, our bagger in the right position and do everything we can to get the ball there. But sometimes we don't. But that's always the goal. Uh, but it's not like you you gotta stop playing if it's not a perfect pass. You you have to do do something and try to, to better the ball in some way. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, yeah. Um, do you think, or maybe you haven't played with normal serve receiving? <laughs> <laughs> that that's basically what I'm trying to. To ask, like, if you play play with with a normal service, is that easier now after you've been trying to put these services in a different spot for a long time? Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I haven't really tried. <laughs> we don't know that. You never so tried. We don't it. know. <laughs> so we'll leave that leave that question then. Uh, how does the um because I've seen you guys jump set also in in very windy situations yeah uh, you, Rasmus just keeps pushing you relentlessly to keep doing it even if there's wind <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of we we uh like uh, when we played in Cancun uh where it was really windy there and we tried to to jump set and do yeah play the way we we used to play and it was really difficult and i think we didn't really gain much from it because it was too windy and we couldn't really control the ball and i think after that tournament we really discussed okay how are we gonna handle this are we gonna keep practicing and try to do the jump set even if it's windy or are we gonna maybe do something different to handle the wind um, but uh, I don't know I think we've just practiced more and more in, in wind and yeah, trying to jump set and 
do stuff, but maybe you have to change some things. Uh, it might not be as easy to make a perfect pass all the way up to the net. Maybe you have to, yeah, <laughs> handle the ball a bit differently when it's a lot of wind. But uh, I think we still have the, the same base we play on, like the same basic idea, but then we might have to change up a couple of things to, to handle the wind. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was in last winter. I was in Playa del Carmen, which is just one hour from Cancun on the same coast. And fuck, it was windy. Like it was, I think I had three months where uh, I don't think there was one morning when we practiced and there was no wind out of three months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, the strong wind all the time. And, uh, <laughs> It's similar here where now this winter it's just wind all the time. Like the other day there was no wind and I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like this is how, how it works normally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> does it? So was was Cancun a, uh, an unusually windy World Tour competition then? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. You can look at like old clips from uh, when Karambule uses his sky serve in that wind. He got so many aces. It was really fun to watch because <laughs> he could really put it up like out over the sea and it came back and yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, I have a so I have a mix of, of my own questions and listener questions. Uh, uh, so I let people ask. I told them, hey, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna be able to to interview David. What do you guys want me to ask him? And uh, one of the questions was, yeah, it's it's nice to to let people be involved. Um, one of the questions was how to be consistent in a tournament. What to focus on to be stable. Uh, and then I have some, some thoughts here myself, tips for finding the flow or like having fun, question mark. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you... I think like you need to stay really focused, like playing long tournaments and having many games used have to focus on on the game you're currently playing and as soon as that game is over if you manage to win it's full focus on the next game like okay we don't have to, we don't care if we won now it's full focus we need to beat these guys now full focus like never never let anything distract you and like okay i'm super ha happy with this result well that can wait until after the tournament you still have another game now you can make it even better so like always stay focused and uh, yeah do your thing like it's it's no different from when you do it in practice just because it's game like do the things you've been practicing and just believe in yourself i think that's like the key thing and of course have fun while doing it <laughs> yeah absolutely so so does that mean also that you try to not maybe talk to people in between the games or like let people in that might distract you in different ways yeah kind of like yeah usually in big 
big tournaments we we're really really focused on on the games and like as soon as the game is over Rasmus usually comes and like okay guys now we got to go and get to the hotel fast you guys got this much time until the next game so you need to rest now and like maybe take a quick nap if we have time or something maybe put away our phones so we can just like okay relax now start to focusing on the on the next game instead yeah because as soon as you take the phone out there will be some message from someone and they're gonna ask for this and that and then your thought processes start <laughs> distracting <Yeah, pretty> <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't i don't know about you i mean you seem to have fun when you when you play volleyball and, and i i know for my me personally i i play much better and it's much easier for me to focus when i'm really having fun with my with my partner and and for me the best way to get that is to be well in sync with them so you know basically we like you say like we know what's supposed to happen in this situation and this situation because when we have that sync like we just know what's going to happen you can start playing this almost like magical volleyball where it's just like oh this just works <laughs> and that yeah. brings a lot of joy, joy to me yeah uh, I, I totally agree with you. It's uh, like uh, an example of this. It's uh, like earlier this year in, in January when uh, me and Jonathan played uh, the King of the Court finals. Uh, uh -huh. Like we had uh, uh, one of the stages when, when we played, we, I think we were like too focused on like, okay, we have to, to make it through, we have to win. Uh, so we didn't have fun. We asked, okay, this is super important. We have to score now. And we were like too stressed and couldn't like relax and play our game. Uh, but we managed to make it through. And then in the final, we were like, okay, now we're just going to relax, play our play the way we do and uh, have fun. And when we started to have fun, we played much, much better. And uh, yeah, then we managed to win the whole thing. So I think uh, that's really, really important that you can relax and have fun while while playing and uh, when you're having fun you you kind of like let go of the these doubts when uh, like take the hand setting thing for for instance uh, when you're having fun and you know your partner doesn't really put that much pressure on you you can yeah you can do the the hand setting and not be that scared like okay i, I got to get this ball perfect like just do the thing you've been practicing yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's the the body knows what what to do, or the body knows the stuff that you have practiced as long as you let it do that. But if yeah, you start getting nervous and stuff. It's like there's stuff that comes comes in the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How was it? Um, I think it was was it last summer when Jonathan was injured and you played this European something with this other Swedish guy. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, like one week before the World Champs in Rome. And yes. Jonathan injured his hand, so he couldn't play. Uh, and basically, like the, the the same day, like one hour after we got like the results from the X-ray that okay, Jonathan's a bone in Jonathan's hand is broken, so he can't play. Like one hour after that, Erasmus called me like uh okay david we can go to the netherlands now and play the under 22 european championships you can play with with jacob <laughs> i was like yeah okay sure <laughs> i don't have anything else to do 
but I was <laughs> like still really bummed out because we couldn't play the world champs. So it was like, okay, under 22 European champs. I was supposed to be in Rome now, but I'm going here instead. But yeah, it, it was really fun. And we, we managed to win, me, me and Jacob. And Jacob is super, super good. He's super talented. So yeah, it was it was fun playing together. Yeah. And how was that? Have you guys practiced a lot together? Or when you guys practice, are you just doing it with Jonathan and you get to do it against the other guys? Uh, yeah, mostly we practice like me and Jonathan against the other guys, but they've been schooled in the same way as, as we have and been practicing jump sets and stuff. So Jacob knows how we want to play. And we got a couple of practices beforehand, before the tournament. Uh, so we could, yeah, work something else. Okay, about this height, maybe once he set, that would be good. Like this pace, and uh, yeah, Jacob got most of the serve. So, uh, yeah, it was mostly me setting him, and I, I stepped in and took a bit more of the court, so I could steal some of his, <laughs> some of his passes as well. But uh, like, uh, yeah, he he knew how we wanted to play, and he's been practicing jump sets and stuff as well. So. It worked out really well, uh, so he wasn't surprised when I jumped set to him. <laughs> yeah, so you guys were able to find this sync even though you just practiced a couple of times before the tournament, basically. Yeah, yeah, maybe not the, the same as me and Jonathan, but it was better than like some some random player, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. So. Next question is is a selfish question. Um, <laughs> I want to learn myself, and <laughs> and um, I don't. I basically just want to. I think people will probably think differently about this, depending on sort of how they attack. Um, but I just want to hear sort of your your perception. Um, so so when you attack like and you you have to ch choose at some point like how you're gonna attack are you gonna attack hard are you gonna attack a little bit less hard um for, for me it's it's um it's been for a long time that that if the set is perfect i can do it hard and if it's not quite perfect then i have to do i should do it a little bit differently and and if I'm stupid then and I go hard still try to hit hard then I miss hit and it goes out or in the net. So so there's a there's a type of subtle um, subtle smartness about when to not go full out. Uh, <laughs> which uh, th there's another point to this which is so I've been I've been changing the way the the mechanics the technique of of my hitting a lot. Uh, yeah. And I've been very um, sort of in that world for a long time. So, so I, I know I need to get smarter one day and just know like, okay, on this set, I can do what I have learned. On, on this other set, I need to do something else. Uh, I know, I think you haven't changed the way you hit for a long, long time. Uh, so, so this is probably way more automatic for you. Does that does my explanations make sense at all? Yeah, well, so, I think it's yeah. Is there any point where you're like, okay, here I can't go full. I just have to reach reach as high as I can, or does this just 
happen super automatically for you? I think it's a bit both. Uh, like you, while playing, you learn a lot what works and what situations. And like uh, mostly, I think for me, it's it's more of a feeling uh, than like choosing beforehand. Okay, I'm gonna hit hard now. It's more like what you kind of see in in the corner of your eye and uh, like the way the ball moving and I don't know and how you how you're positioned to the ball like all of that plays part in how you're gonna hit what kind of hit you're gonna do um, but of course in like let's say the the set is way off the net then maybe you can't hit your hardest it, it depends but at the same time like for me I think it's uh, when you get to a certain level, it's like, okay, either I give them a free ball now, like trying to do an easy shot over, or I go for it and like full acceleration, go for the hit, but not like swing everything I can maybe, but like actually go for it, go for something, make it difficult for them. Um, and I think that now when we play against better and better teams, you can't make these easy shots you have to to actually go for it sometimes uh, so it, it kind of depends uh, sometimes you can be really stupid if you you choose to hit in that situation and sometimes it can be good to go for it and then maybe you you make it and then it will be super good but it's also a chance that you you might miss and then it's easy for the coaches to say that was not a good decision david but maybe <laughs> in my head it was like Okay, but I I went for it at least, <laughs> so it, yeah, it, it depends. But uh, like you said, like what kind of shot you're gonna do? If you get a good set, that's more of a feeling for me. I kind of get a feeling of what what they're gonna block and where the defender is and what kind of hit is gonna be be good in that situation. I think that's just something you learn. Yeah, that makes. And then of course Jonathan tries to, to tell me what, which way to hit, but. Sometimes I listen to him and sometimes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's basically what I what I thought you would answer because like in I can just compare with my own personal experience, like setting on the other hand, I haven't changed my technique in a very in a lot of years. And there's always this decision like when when can you hand set? When do you have to change to a bump set? When should you bump set? You, you know? And that's not something I, I think of anymore. It's just, uh, it, it's a feeling, like you say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so probably it's the, it's the exact same thing with attacking. Then you just have to, if you change the way you attack, you just have to do that and then be finished with it. And then just play enough until you get that feeling and learn from your mistakes, I guess. Yeah, well. I guess so, kind of, <laughs> at least. Absolutely. But so you're saying when, it, you know, there's this saying, when in a fiddle, go deep middle. Uh, you're yeah. saying it maybe, does, uh, it maybe doesn't uh, apply on the highest level. You might want to go. I think that depends. I think like hitting deep middle is often a really good, good choice. Uh, like when they pull off the net hitting deep middle is is often a good choice um, but many of the defenders know this and step into the into the middle so sometimes it's better to hit like 
deep diagonal instead because yeah uh -huh. sometimes we look at videos and see okay when when he pull off the net he always takes the middle so then maybe you can get one point <laughs> against them but it's difficult you, usually you can't do the same thing twice because the defenders learn maybe you can do it twice but not three times in a row because yeah they adapt so <laughs> uh, yeah. you can't do the same hit every time they they will change up and try to defend that as well absolutely absolutely so you sometimes jump into the deep middle when you see that people are in trouble especially yeah. if you know they usually do that yeah yeah i do <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I was I was watching. I think it's the latest game between you guys and the Norwegians. I was watching that last night, and um, sometimes if uh, Anders is blocking and he gets a block touch, and then Christian sets him from the back of the court, but Anders is at the net. Sometimes he can like turn turn around and and hit the ball, but quite often yeah. he has to go with a pokey there. And uh, at least the one he scored against you guys was a, was a deep middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I get. I, I think that one was a bit. I think both me and Jonathan were like unsure who was supposed to take it, so it was a communication error uh, from us. Uh, so I think we we should have defended that ball that was like a mistake from us uh, mm. but of course Anders is really good at doing the acrobatic things at the net like turning around and doing a pokey but still like changing the way of the ball so it's it's difficult to, to read him sometimes yeah yeah it's it's difficult to to know what he's gonna go for I guess if, if he has a lot of different uh, different uh, possibilities yeah actually have you guys trained that exact uh, situation i guess it's maybe more relevant for for uh, jonathan uh but uh, like. I, well, it doesn't happen a lot but sometimes it does happen that you block and you're at the net and then you get a set from back in the court and then you sort of have to turn around and <laughs> like it's yeah. a, a very specific situation i think I think for us it happens quite a lot. Like we try to to hit on on the second ball or or jump set. So I usually try to to get the defense up up to the net so Jonathan can like decide if he wants to attack it on the second ball or maybe jump set to me or or something. Uh, so I think it happens quite a lot. Maybe not the exact situation with a block touch and then I set it up to him. But it's more like maybe I pick up a defense and it goes quite fast to the net and Jonathan can do something with it. Uh, but it's not like we, we're practicing only that. It's just something that happens in, in practice. And of course, you practice it then, but it's not like we put up a specific situation to practice it. I see, I see. Yeah. yeah, sometimes there's a part of me that thinks that maybe there would be some value in practicing those. Another situation that comes to my mind is is if uh, the blocker is at the net and, and the attacker on the other side does a cut shot and the blocker actually doesn't jump for it and just runs and picks up the cut shot and then they're sort of backwards into the court. Uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of these weird small situations that happen every now and then. And I haven't decided for myself if I want to go out and practice those situations or just let them happen in the game when, when they happen. Yeah, 
yeah, it's it's difficult to to choose what's what's most important to to practice. And of course, maybe maybe it's it could be worth practicing, but at the same time, it doesn't happen that often in a game. So that's very maybe you can get one extra point from it, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's it's a good point. Like you, you never know. You never know where where to put the time. <laughs> you can just guess. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that you do the right guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, is, is this something that you guys talk about a lot? Like, uh, you know, what should we actually be putting the time towards? Or are you pretty synced? Everyone agrees? Uh, we, we discuss it a lot. Like, we have uh, meetings every now and then. And look at videos and look at statistics, stats, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nailed it. It's difficult to say. <laughs> There's certain it's English words that are very difficult to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> stats, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we just kind of shorten the word so we, we don't have the trouble. <laughs> uh, now we'll look at stats and videos and stuff and see what's working for us, what do we have to improve, and so on, and like put up a plan, okay, we have this much time to practice now, what are we going to focus on, what do we believe in, like what will make us better as a team, and yeah, we kind of discuss that kind of stuff and decide what, what to do. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a, like a good approach. Yeah. <laughs> Because you know, there's I think there's people on teams that just never have those conversations, and personally, I I believe in them. <laughs> yeah. When you go to practice and one person thinks this is important, another person thinks something else is important, and you have not talked about it, it just creates this like uh, weird atmosphere where nobody gets happy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to be be synced. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another listener question, um, at what time did you develop the most and key focus areas in that time? Uh, I'll let you answer. I have my guesses, but. <laughs> I think this is a difficult one. Uh, like maybe uh, when we like really started practicing with with Drasmus more uh, uh, which was 2018 I'd say was when we actually really started practicing with him and I started playing with Jonathan that same year uh, because then kind of out of nowhere we we started winning <laughs> uh, so yeah I'd say 2018 was was like our breakthrough year because uh, we yeah we managed to win first first of all we won the uh youth continental cup so like the qualifications for the youth olympics uh and we were like our goal in that tournament was to make it from the group <laughs> but then uh -huh. we won the whole thing so that was like a really good surprise for us like okay so we're actually quite good now <laughs> where did this come from and then uh, like later we we won the the youth olympics as well and that was also like holy shit, <laughs> what's going on <laughs> so uh, i think that was like the biggest 
breakthrough year uh, in that sense. Um, but I think it's difficult to say after that, maybe like 2020, I think we started to, to also develop quite a lot. Uh, actually, the pandemic wasn't that bad for us uh, because in Sweden, if you were like on elite level, you could actually uh, practice and uh, many other teams couldn't practice, uh, but we could be indoor in the beach volleyball facility in, in Stockholm and practice a lot. So we were there a lot, a lot, a lot more than we had before. And uh, uh, like before this, uh, both me and Jonathan were, were in school and uh, yeah, we had to be be on, in different places in in Sweden. Like I was up in the north in Umeå uh, doing my thing. And then we saw each other a couple of times, uh, like a few times each month to practice, but it wasn't that much. Uh, but when the, the school started to be uh, like from from home because you weren't allowed to go to school during mm -hmm. the pandemic, uh, I could stay stay at Jonathan in Stockholm, like sleeping on his, his couch, but we could practice a lot more because yeah, both Jonathan and Rasmus lives in Stockholm. So that's where we had to be. We wanted to practice together. And I think that was like the first time we could actually practice a lot together, a lot more than before. And we really developed during that time. Uh, and especially while other teams couldn't really practice. So we're like, okay, we're getting a head start now. So it's really good for us. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So the so the distance school stuff really helped you guys in a sense because it allowed you to try something that you hadn't really done before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you mentioned when you started coach uh, getting coached by Rasmus. That's when you had the breakthrough, and all of a sudden you won this tournament. Uh, was that because he forced you guys to, to do the jump setting or do you think it's it's that you just got better in general? I think like for me, I had been practicing a bit with with Rasmus before as well. Uh, so I, I knew the basics and uh, which I had practiced with Rasmus and uh, we pr started to practice more and more that year and uh, uh, as I said, Jonathan and I started playing that year as well. Before, before this, I played with uh, Joel Andersson, uh, we, who also comes from, from the north of Sweden, and we played indoor together quite a lot. But uh, at that time, I had to play, play blocker and he played defender. So, And I knew I was supposed to be a defender. I wasn't really tall enough or yeah, big enough to be a, to be a blocker, and I was better in, in defense than I was in blocking. So. Uh, when we found Jonathan, who was really talented, Rasmus chose to pair, pair us up uh, for the Continental Cup. And uh, yeah, so we practiced quite a lot before that and and during the summer and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So when, when he got up to the up to speed on the system and everything, then it started working. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we could... I could also like develop my skills. Uh, like, as I said, I had been practicing with Rasmus before, but it was usually during camp. So maybe I practiced with him for a week and then I didn't see him for quite a while or 
maybe two weeks in a row and then I didn't see him for two months, you know, so he wasn't that consistent, really. But when the consistency kicked in, then that's when uh, when a lot of things uh, um, yeah. <laughs> got <easier. laughs> that, That's cool. Uh, in the other podcast, you also mentioned this. Uh, we both know him, uh, Hanerud, Bjarne uh, <laughs> from back. Uh, I guess there was a period when you were uh, basically a kid, where he, I think, saw some potential, and yeah. uh, and spent some time teaching you stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he was like uh, in beach volleyball. He was my first coach, uh, I'd say. Uh, he really like took me under his arm and like yeah taught me how to play uh, so he, he taught me everything he knew and uh, that was a really good start for me uh, he wasn't like a top player in Sweden or anything but he he really put his time on me and uh, that was really uh, really important for me to, to develop as a player uh, because he really taught me the basics and I remember him like we played these uh, like short uh, short court games. You know when you like divide the court and like yeah, half the court or a quarter of the court the court and yeah, play like against each other as we met. So I remember I was playing against him in the beginning, and uh, he always won. Um, and then we like a year later when we had practiced quite a lot together, uh, I could win quite easily against him. So. I remember it was at some point he was like, okay, now you're too good for me. Uh, I taught you everything I can. <laughs> so, yeah, but it was, it was really good because uh, before that I didn't really have a, a beach volleyball coach. So, yeah, I'm really thankful yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, everyone, <clears throat> everyone should be thankful for him, I guess, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because now, now Sweden all of a sudden has a team to team to watch. <laughs> yeah. I remember he had, he had like a, a challenge for me as well. Uh, you know, uh, Erik Nygård, the yeah. Tomahawk master. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, uh, I had to play play against him as well, and like learn to to play defense and try to be quick in defense because he's really good at like getting up to the net and putting the ball in difficult places he's not that big but he's really good at like putting the ball in difficult spots and you have to be really quick to to dig the balls uh it's not any hard hits but it's really good placements and uh, so i remember he had that as well like okay you're gonna play defense against uh, eric now and uh, try to dig as many balls as possible and so on <laughs> That, that's a, you probably don't know that I have made a YouTube video about Eric and his playing style. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, a lot of people that that follow my project actually know who Eric is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny yeah, that so he's that, been. That was the challenge to, to beat Eric as well. That's uh, you gotta try it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess you're one of the the quicker defenders in the world today so i guess people should just it's send their kids to <laughs> for the proper training <laughs> that's so funny do you remember uh, do you remember any specifics of what gern taught you 
in this like I, 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 it was mostly like basic things and uh, like technique stuff and uh, like how you're supposed to think uh, while playing defense like what you're supposed to look at and stuff like that and uh, okay. yeah no it was it was it was quite a lot but it's mostly like the basic things like technique in in, in passing and setting and uh, also in yeah. attacking yeah absolutely okay that that fits quite well with this another question that i have for you you said what to look at in defense and whatever so the question i have is <clears throat> how do you think about defense reading versus reacting what's important uh because you know there's sort of two ways to play defense one is this like just stay still and wait and and see what happens and another one is like trying to figure out what the others are gonna do um yeah i think like defense mostly you have to make a decision i think that's the most important part it's uh, almost impossible to defend the whole court it's or at least it's really really difficult at least when you you get to a higher level people are too good <laughs> getting the ball into the sand so you have to make a decision like okay i'm gonna choose to take i'm gonna take the hard driven spike uh, like cross court spike and i'm gonna be able to take like the diagonal shot as well and if you put it the other way sure good job you can have that yeah. one so you always make a decision and of course you have to to read the situation as well uh, so i think it's not like making the decision like before the serve goes over it's more like when you see the set okay i'm gonna take this and this and if we put it there then you can have it so mm -hmm. i think it's more like that so you don't like okay i'm gonna go for the cross court hit and then oh shit hits <laughs> quite quite a bit off the net he, he can't even hit it this sharp <laughs> Yeah. then it's really worthless to stand there. So you have to read the situation, of course. Um, and then you have to look at what, what what is he doing? Like, what are his favorite favorite kind of shots? Maybe he likes to, to do the line shots and the cross court. Then you know, okay, these are the two types of hit that I want to defend. But then you can like, okay, if he puts it uh, like a cut shot, then I don't care. He can have that until he can show me that, yeah, he can really do the catch up many times. Yeah. Then I have to change something up. But before that, I go for his favorite hits, pretty much. Absolutely. So, yeah. But of course, you have to read the situation, make a decision, and then always go for the ball. So, yeah, don't don't be kept standing where where you are. Always go for the ball if it's a block touch or if it's even if it's a shot that you decide that I'm not going to run for that shot, that's a shot you can have. Go for it anyways. You never know. <laughs> you could reach it if it's if it's high enough or or so on. But uh, never like just look at the ball. Always go for it. Yeah, that makes sense. Did you ever, as a kid or later or whatever, do these types of drills? Like, you know, some people put like a curtain over the net so that the ball will just suddenly appear from somewhere and you really have to react because there's nothing you can read 
or some people even close their eyes and then they open them up as the ball is hit or did you ever do anything like that uh, uh, no. not can, not that i can remember it at least but uh, yeah i can tell you that much i don't think that Rasmus and Anders would have liked that kind of training. To be honest, yeah, they, they like it, like right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think you, it's more like you need to learn how to to read an attacker, like what to look at and so on. So it's more like, at least when I'm playing defense, I look more at the attacker than I'm looking at the ball. It's not like just looking at the ball and then the ball goes somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's you have to be the, the attacker and like okay he's fading that way and then when you see a sudden movement like okay he's probably going to do the line shot when he's doing this or yeah, yeah. or you can you can see you you learn to like notice these small things in in the attacker that makes you react and I think if you just take away the attacker and throw a ball from somewhere you kind of take away that that thing from from the practice. That is Absolutely. really important practice. So, yeah. 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 I think, uh, I think the theory for that is, is like, for example, if there's like a block touch and it, you know, it actually bounces a different direction after the ball has been hit. Like it's a very sudden thing, like, so that you're not locked up and frozen in those. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I get it. I think it's better to like maybe practice doing a, like uh, uh what do you call cover cover the, the the block touches like practice that instead of throwing a ball from <laughs> from behind a curtain i think it's better to do it from a situation that happens more in a game so it's more game like that's that's a good point that's a good point as long as one can design one of those but that that one is not super difficult to, to make happen <laughs> It's you never know. Maybe you, you can uh, can learn something from it, but I think it's better ways to, to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's been sort of mine. Like uh, sometimes I just go out and try shit. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. See if it works or not. <laughs> Another question I have is, you know, when you play against big blockers which they're not so normal they're not so common outside of their the world tour uh, like yeah. these these huge ones and uh, and uh, you're not you haven't done a jump set thing where you become blockless and you can just you know um, bounce the ball uh, do you have any thoughts on on attacking normally against big blockers yeah uh, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> no, but it's uh, of course it's difficult against big blockers uh of course like the first thing we try to do is make the blocker move and uh, but of course there are situations where we can't do that like the pass is too bad we have to play a normal set and uh, i think it's Really, you have to make a good decision is is the most important part. Uh, like, uh, for instance, if you if you don't like see the block or anything, don't just 
hit the ball as hard as you can. <laughs> Don't do any like stupid, hard driven hits because then the block will eat you up every now and then. So uh, you have to be smart about how so you play. Hit uh, if, if you know where the block is and you know you can go around it. Yeah, pretty much. I think for me at least, I try to see what the blocker is. Is uh, yeah, where he's blocking and try to. Yeah, okay, now I know I can actually hit it past him cross court, or now I know the the line is open. But if I don't know, then I won't like just take a chance and hit it somewhere because then many times he can just block me. Uh, then it's better to to do something else. Uh, but I think it's also easy for an attacker to become like, yeah. You can become a bit of a coward when you're attacking against the big blockers because you get scared of their height and like, okay, now I have to do a really high shot. <laughs> and uh, if you don't go at it with like full acceleration and really go for it, then <laughs> it will be really, really difficult to get past the big block. So it's better to like go really for it, like doing a full hit and then at the top doing a shot, like doing it quick and fast and uh, mm. like beating the block uh, that way instead of like, okay, now I have to do really, really difficult hits and be perfect in how I change the direction of the ball and try to, yeah, just yeah. try to keep your height and play fast and smart. <laughs> I think that's the... Almost a fake it until you make it like go with confidence anyway type of thing. Yeah, yeah, you have to like really go for it because if you don't, the, you will just make the block the blocker bigger. So you yeah. need to, yeah, really jump as high as you can and try to hit the ball from as high as you can. Because usually when you decide that you're gonna make a shot, you might not go at it with the same acceleration and full speed as as you would when going for a spike. So yeah, that makes sense. The blocker is already super big, so don't make the blocker even bigger. Exactly. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, if you were to guess, uh, how good of volleyball would you guys be playing if you played normal volleyball without the jump setting? Do you, do you guys feel small compared to the other players, the other teams? Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you walk past someone that's way taller than you and you just feel small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you, like, as a team, we're quite small uh like we're one of the smaller teams uh, on mm -hmm. the tour but of course there are teams that are smaller than us or especially like individual players that are smaller than us like some defenders that are smaller than me but uh yeah so we're we're not the biggest team but of course it's not like we're we're the smallest as well um but i think like if we would play Traditionally, we would not have made it like, I don't know, it's really difficult to, to say. Uh, we much better at playing uh, like normal beach volleyball as well. Uh, but I don't think we'd be in, in the top really, maybe like top 30 in the world, maybe I could imagine, but yeah, yeah something like that perhaps, but 
at the same time, we wouldn't have made those results that we have been doing now during our our youth. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know if we would be playing on this level. Like, uh, we're like a product of, product of the of training a lot, and I don't think we would have the the ability to train as much as we we have been now if we hadn't made the results we had before and. Uh, uh, I think we wouldn't make those results if we played normally from from the beginning. So that's yeah. difficult it's to say. <laughs> Long term question in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you ever do any practice games where you're just like, okay, this game, let's just for the hell of it, just let's just play normal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that much. Usually we we try to. To practice uh, the way we want to play in a game, yeah. uh, but then of course we we practice like specific situations where, okay, now we're not gonna do a jump set. We're gonna do like a regular set because that happens during a game as well. So we have that in practice also, but not like we when we play a, some game-like training. Then then we don't really say that we're gonna play traditionally <laughs> then, then you do what you what you want to do yeah i have a few more questions if you have time <laughs> yeah i have been so <laughs> uh, you said there's still some time before before you have to go to the practice if you if you're gone um yeah. another listener question is um training regime uh, both beach training and strength slash speed training would be nice to have some insights and focus areas. And uh, so I, I guess <laughs> there's a part of me that, that thinks that, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe someone shouldn't do the same thing as, as the professionals because just the position you're in and the background is so different. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, if you don't mind sharing something that you do, it's <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, well, for us, we practice quite a lot, like ball training. So, yeah, beach volleyball training. And uh, I think for us, like we have discussed a lot with, uh, yeah. Uh, some uh, some trainers and and so on uh, like how we're gonna put up our our training like gym schedule and and so on and what we're gonna do in the gym and uh, what we're gonna do outside of the court and and I think for us we we practice yeah a lot of beach volleyball so we don't really put any time at all to doing any like jumping practice so uh, a lot of people think, okay, you, you guys are jumping so high, you must be doing a lot of jumping in the gym as well. Uh, but actually, we do no jumping at all in the gym. Uh, huh? Because for us, we jump so much during practice and so on, that if we're going to do it at the gym as well, we're just going to get injured. So we have to do different things in the gym. So we we do squats and uh, like what it's called... Uh, I, 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 I don't know the, the, all the terms for everything, but... Sorry? 
maybe snaps in English. I don't know. Yeah, snatches and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Between jerks or anything, I don't know what what is what. <laughs> but I don't know actually. Yeah, but we we try to practice, uh, like make ourselves stronger so we can practice more. Uh, for us, we we believe more that we we get better from uh, from practicing more beach volleyball. Uh, more than we get better from uh, training in the gym. Of mm -hmm. course, it could be for us to, to jump this much higher, but I think if we can make the right decisions in attacking, that will take us more steps forward than uh, jumping a little bit higher. So, yeah. Uh, right. mm -hmm. so yeah, that's what we focus on, basically. Um, that makes a lot of sense. But that, that's true, you say, because you guys are jumping more than maybe normal people in practice also, since you have the jump setting, uh, possibly. So that that's that's interesting. No jumping in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a little thought, you know, because at some point you guys took the jump to international teams versus just playing in Sweden. And or I, I guess there was a period when you played junior stuff internationally and you played the Swedish stuff, which I guess was maybe similarish levels. But then there became a jump when when you started playing like the, the big guys on the on the international scene. Um, was there something like very different about how they played or was just everything like a little bit better? Like, was it just a little bit more waterproof everything they did or was there like is there some like big difference that's completely I think, different. I think it's a big difference from playing junior players and playing adults basically uh, because when you play start playing on the world tour and playing some quite good teams uh, that are more experienced they don't make those stupid mistakes that some uh, some young teams do uh, like when playing uh, Youth Olympics and uh, the Youth European Champs and everything, uh, usually against many teams you can get quite a lot of free points because they make mistakes. Uh, mm -hmm. But you don't get the same kind of mistakes from uh, experienced players. So you have to make your own points uh, more than uh, in like than on, on the Youth side. I think that's like the big difference is that yeah, you don't get any any free points yeah they're basically more waterproof like they just don't don't fuck up things yeah exactly <laughs> it, it, do you have a similar feeling the times you played like the top levels of sweden that you get some free points here and there that you maybe don't get on the international yeah yeah i guess so um i guess you do but uh like for us, we we haven't played that much in in Sweden. Like we only play like the That's Swedish true. championships uh, now. So uh, and I think for us now, uh, being quite an experienced team now and uh, so on, we uh, I think the pressure is more on us now <laughs> when we play in Sweden. Uh, so yeah. we try to focus on, on our game, like. Uh, I think we do more mistakes when we play in Sweden than we do internationally. Ah, because uh, you don't have the <laughs> the like uh, what is it called when you when you don't have anything to lose, you can only win. 
yeah, I think that that's yeah that's part of it. And at the same time, I think uh, I think that's this doesn't only apply to playing in Sweden. It applies to like playing some teams that are maybe not on the highest level. When you play teams that are maybe not not as good as you that you're supposed to win against, uh, it's difficult to keep your highest level. Uh, you play your best when you play against teams that are the best. I think that's uh, yeah. how it works, at least for us. Like when we play Norway, let's say we we play really good, but uh, if we were to go to Sweden and play some some random team, I don't think we played nearly as good. <laughs> so it's yeah. difficult to yeah. keep up your highest level when you don't play against teams that, yeah, have that high super high level. That makes sense. <laughs> so <laughs> makes me think of, have you guys ever talked about actually practicing this, like going and playing against this little bit lower teams, you know, <laughs> with meaning, <laughs> consciously deciding that and just to get better at like not losing the edge or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't really thought of it that way, but like it happens. Uh, Sometimes um, when we practice, okay, we're gonna practice with uh, with this team now, and we're gonna play some practice game. Then we know it's really important for us to to win the game. We have to to play good now, even if they might not have the same super high level. We still have to be focused and do our thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it is. I mean, it is easy to lose focus if the if the challenge isn't there, I guess, as yeah. much, if, if one could say that. Do you guys play defense and blocking against the younger Swedish teams that are uh, trained in the same system? Yeah, yeah, of course, we practice a lot with them, so, so yeah, we do. So you guys figure out the ways to stop a team like you, but you don't, of course, you shouldn't tell that to the rest of the world. <laughs> 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 or, or is it unstoppable? <laughs> I, th I think for, for us it's actually quite difficult to, to defend against them. Uh, uh, like they're, they're starting to be really good at playing jump sets and hitting second balls and so on. So I think when when they pass the ball good, I think we, we have a, quite a hard time to, to stop them. Uh, but at the same time they're still juniors and uh, they have some more stuff to learn, so uh, yeah, we we can get points in in other ways. But when they, yeah, when they play really good, it's they you can really see the potential there. Yeah. So as long as the pass is is good enough, then it's uh, then it's it's hard to stop, basically. Uh, yeah. One one could say. So uh, wait. Uh, you have you're pretty familiar at this point with this new ball. Uh, yeah. Do you think it's easier to pass? I, I got my first once a couple of weeks ago, so I've tried it a little bit, but uh, I think you you have more hours with it than I do. Yeah, <laughs> is it easier do, to pass? Yeah. And if it is easier to pass, maybe that's an advantage for you guys. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's really difficult to say. I think if it's a difference, it's a really tiny difference. Uh, like I think the ball might float a bit less than the, the previous ball. 
uh, but it's still only like a, a little bit less. So yeah. it's not something you, you really think about. I remember like the first few practices when we had the new ball, we sort of reacted like, oh shit, the ball doesn't dive now uh, in the serve. But uh, I don't know, it was like when you start to get the ball uh, a bit, when you play the bit with the ball, maybe it kind of shapes to the right right shape and it starts acting more like a like an old ball i don't know but uh, now i don't really notice anything <laughs> yeah. like that uh, i described it as i don't think it floats less but i think it floats a bit differently and it's maybe a little bit easier to pass <laughs> yeah it could be if it is it's good for it <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly sometimes you'll have to make a study and see if it floats less or or not <laughs> yeah i wish i had the time for that <laughs> uh, absolutely uh, i think uh, i'm gonna start letting you go soon uh, i think this has been 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 really fun. I have a few last uh, last questions for you, uh, and and one of them is is this open question, which is is there anything that you wish we would have talked about that we haven't? So this is your your chance to extend the podcast with a few hours. <laughs> okay, let's see. Hmm. <laughs> I I don't know. Like of course, there's a a lot of stuff to to talk about in in beach volleyball and you can talk for hours about it like different aspects of the game but it's not nothing specific that that i'm thinking of at this moment but yeah i don't know <laughs> nothing special is there any specifics of the game that fascinate you more than others um yeah i guess so like as a defender, of course, like how to play defense is something I think about a lot. So I think that's that's one thing, of course. And uh, then also it's quite fascinating with the with the like tactical part of beach volleyball. Uh, like uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of tactics in in beach volleyball, like how you're supposed to play against a, another team and uh, you have to adapt during the games as well and try to figure out what their game plan is and how we're gonna defend against that and how we're gonna make points against them and like always think of <laughs> how do we score points basically i think that's quite fascinating how how it's kind of like a, a chess game <laughs> in that yeah. end, in that way so like figuring out their mental decisions and how they change in the middle of the game. Do you, do you notice like patterns? Like, is there certain types of teams that tend to like do similar things, that type of changing? And then there's other, is, is there like archetypes? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, it's maybe not like super, super clear, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'd say so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess sometimes in this is just coming into my head. Like sometimes you can 
sort of get a feel of a person and their personality uh, by just being with them. And then there's like similarities in how they take decisions in the game <laughs> to like similarly to how they their personality takes decisions in life or, you know, it's, it's weird sure, stuff. I like haven't really thought about that, but you might be onto something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Sometimes I feel like there's there's something there, but, but I don't know. Could be. <laughs> could be, could be. Now that you know what it's like to be on the Learn Beach Volleyball Fast podcast, uh, <laughs> you're able to decide and choose who would you want to listen to on this podcast? Who would you want to hear me try to bring out some smart from their brain? <laughs> okay, I think uh, next up is Eric Nygård. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, I, I want to hear his his thoughts and uh, on the game, how to play, and uh, also if he remembers the the old uh, practice games against me. <laughs> so you know, it's actually funny. It's um, some years ago I did the the first video with him, which where I basically just wanted to show people his playing style, and uh, it got quite popular, and people we're like oh this is really interesting and and of course there's some haters also out there they're like oh you can't <laughs> score this way <laughs> blah, blah blah but it's actually he, he's really good at it um so so anyway that became quite popular and people started asking like hey how do you learn this uh so i've um, so far i made one tutorial video where i basically teach the way i think uh like how to teach what he's doing and then we recorded, yeah. we already recorded 30 minutes of conversation on the court where he explains how he thinks on the court and like oh, how okay. he attacking it and whatever. This is not released yet, but but I have it on my computer. Oh. I just need to edit it and, and release it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it will be so, released now. <laughs> exactly. We'll come soon, okay. I hope. <laughs> the, the thing is, it, it's, in, it's in Swedish, so I need to do like subtitles. And then there's, uh, <laughs> on top of that, there's like this um, kind of slang word, words, like, you know, <laughs> we're from, I guess, from the north, and there's like some sayings that I'm like, how do I translate this to English? So I've been a little lazy with editing that, that video, but it will come. <laughs> nice. Maybe you'll have to do, do a new one with him, but in English. <laughs> yeah. Maybe for all right, all right. Uh, where do people follow you? If they on if on Instagram, sleep. Oman Helvig Beach. That's Oman that's Helvig. where you see us. <laughs> yeah, and that's the that's the team Instagram. Yeah, and uh, then you have you David Oman as well. If you want to follow follow me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, I think this was fun. I hope you had fun too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot for being on. Thank you for and, having me. Uh, yes, and uh, maybe one day I'll I'll see you in person again. It was it happened way more often than earlier, some years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. Maybe we'll uh, see each other in uh, in Lombok. 
<laughs> yeah, in Lombok. Yeah, you should definitely definitely tell me if, if you go there. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> Check out this. Uh, I guess we should give them a sh shout out since they're sponsoring you guys. The, um, Tampa Hills. Tampa Hills. <laughs> the place to be. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I was one of the first people to play on their beach volleyball court. It's beautiful. Nice. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks. What's up? Alex here again. Hope you have enjoyed the show. I'm just here to say a couple last things before we end, which is uh, I'm going to put a couple links in the description below. One is to the video with Eric Nygaard, since we now, you know, there has been some haters on, on Eric's playing style, but now we have one of the top players in the world, David, actually showing him some respect for, for what he's doing. So I think he deserves some more views. Uh, it's um, the video I, I'm putting there is it's a somewhat long it's like 15 minutes or whatever but actually just to see what it's like you just need to watch the first few minutes so it doesn't take a big chunk of your day and it's um, it's interesting it's um, it gives you perspectives on things the second thing I will put in the description is links to David's Instagram and David and Jonathan's team Instagram as well and I also want to say that you know would you have more questions for David potentially or you have new thoughts from the podcast and you would want to follow up on whatever stuff that he talked about why not drop those questions in the comment section below uh, because who knows maybe one day I can run and catch him again and ask him more questions if you're listening to this episode on an actual podcast app in the description there will be a link to this episode on YouTube and you can go there and find the comment section so yeah thanks for listening thanks for being here I appreciate all of you guys a lot if you haven't yet, please subscribe to all my channels, subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the podcast, my Instagram, my email list, so that you don't miss out on future episodes and updates in the project and all of that good stuff. Also, if you enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it to a friend or several or a group or whatever, because in reality, the thing is that the more you guys share my project and my episodes to other people, the easier it is for me to then in the future bring on even more high-level guests to the show and these it is for me to raise the quality of the show and really we're just all winning from that so why not all right that was it for today thanks and talk to you soon again bye